Welcome. I hope you enjoy the conversation you're about to see between me and another comedian about religion and comedy. These are conversations I'm calling Disorganized Religion. God bless. And for those atheists out there, may nothing await you after this life. Hey, nerds. Welcome to another edition of Disorganized Religion, the COVID series that will never end, the pandemic that cannot be defeated. Uh, I am your host, Seth Lawrence, as always. And this week, I am joined by a good friend that I've seen on the LA scene and was actually starstruck because when I first saw him, it was on TV. His name is DJ Demers. Thank you so much for joining us, DJ. Thank you very much for having me, Seth. It's uh, great to see your beautiful face, even if it's just over Zoom. <laughs> Thank you so much. Absolutely. You too. You're looking good. How have you been keeping up during quarantine? You working out? Nope. Uh, I feel like doing absolutely nothing. Really, you know, just keeping the miles low on the odometer. Sure. Not moving a whole lot. No, I, yeah. I'm, running, I'm running a little bit. And it's half exercise and half just to, uh, like, I got to move or else I'm going to go insane. Yeah. Yeah. yeah How about yeah. you? I can understand that. I, every morning, wake up with the full intent of working out. And then mm-hmm. I reach this point. I'm like, oh, I didn't work out today. Well, maybe tomorrow. <laughs> so, well, there's not much, not much going on. Uh, well, there's no motivation. Uh, You're like, for what? Yeah, exactly. My wife knew what she was getting into when she married me. And... You know, we're, we can't get divorced now. We're stuck, <laughs> right? Hasn't, hasn't the pandemic X'd all divorces? It's not happening. I wonder. I wonder <laughs> if there's actually a surge. Yeah, I think they're up. I think they're up. I think, I mean, this is hopefully the saddest point of our podcast episode. I think divorces are up and I think domestic violence is up, which is really uh, terrible. Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I knew about the domestic violence and, and the number of calls to the hotlines are up but those right. don't even really tell the whole story because people can't even escape to make the call anymore yeah. because they're trapped with these abusers. So yeah, that's a really unfortunate byproduct of this overall yeah. unfortunate situation. Not a whole lot of uh, silver linings <laughs> in this whole pandemic. No, not many. I mean, are you, uh, you know, I contacted you over uh, Instagram. You said you're trying to get off social media. Maybe that's one silver lining. People are trying to stay away from the you know, the fear mongers on social media. Was that part of it for you? Fear mongering for sure on Twitter. Twitter, not just fear mongering, but I feel like Twitter causes me to focus too much on uh, micro rather than macro. So I know every little thing that's happening in a day. uh, You know, this guy got killed in this city, the Mm. disease spiked in this, you know, continent, whatever. But but because I'm so absorbed by it, I don't step back and kind of take a look at the macro of it all. Yeah. Uh, and then, and then Instagram is the one I'm, I'm trying to get off now. Cause that was kind of my main vice. And I feel like that is just pure distraction without even information. Like Twitter, at least I'm mm. like, Oh, I know, I know too much, but at least I know something. Whereas Instagram is just a pure distraction machine. And the, yeah. it just dawned on me that this pandemic is going to end in a year or hopefully whenever it ends. And I, <laughs> yeah. and I will have not grown or learned anything because I just distracted myself with the same bullshit that I would during normal time. Right. Oh, interesting. So I'm, I'm on my high horse right now, but it's only been 14 days. Well, I mean, but you got to ride the wave while you're on it, you know? I feel good. It feels like I'm really coming off an addiction, though. It really does. Yeah. 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 You feel the withdrawals, the... Big time. Yeah. Big time. I'm just like, I wonder what's going on. Well, <laughs> I saw your message on Instagram because I was about 10 days into it and I opened sure. it 
And yeah. then I was like, oh, I, I told you to I email was... me. And then I logged off and I haven't been back on since. <laughs> you know, I try to be a force for good, but every once in a while I'm a force for evil. So I'm sorry yeah. for uh, drawing you in for the brief moments. No, no. Uh, I didn't know I, your message was what was going to be waiting for me. So, right. You know what I mean? You yeah, were oh, sure. the force. You were like the carrot at the end of the stick. Oh, good, I finally, good. I don't know if that analogy is correct, but maybe so. But it also maybe maybe it was enough of a prick of your conscience because your first message back was like, "I'd love to, but contact me via email. I'm trying to stay off social media." So it was like maybe a little bit of a reminder. Someone's out there watching you, DJ. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, you getting Big on brother. TikTok or no? Have you fallen? Oh, into dude, I downloaded TikTok and I had it for a week. Yeah. And it was like, this is going to sound terrible, but uh, I don't know how else to say it. Like, if you're over like 30 years old and you're on TikTok, I feel like you should immediately be put on a list. <laughs> well, you are. That's what TikTok is. It's a Chinese well, yeah. list. Yeah, exactly. If I'm going to give my information to somebody, it's going to be the American government because I'm a patriot, damn it. That's but I right. mean, I mean, the list of like uh, people who. Uh, like looking at 16 year old girls dancing because that's all i because i didn't follow anybody and that for you page that's all it showed yeah. me and then yeah. and then within a week i found my brain like going like oh she's cute and i'm like no <laughs> she's 16 get the hell off of this app yeah well i mean you know in your defense no one knows how old these women are that are dancing on tiktok no one has any idea they don't post that's not it just my defense that's also the chris D'Elia defense <laughs> Yeah, I mean, unfortunate that uh, I don't even know what to say about that whole situation. It's terrible. All sides of it are bad, you know? Um, anyway. Yeah. But going back to TikTok, I don't want to, there's not enough facts in that. I guess there are. Anyway, you're right. I don't want to talk about the Crystalia <laughs> thing because, uh, yeah, the whole thing. Even right. when I've heard people like his friend left him so quick and then other people really defended him, but everybody that defended him made you go, do they have skeletons as well? Like there's no yeah. way to talk about it without semen. Anyway, go back to TikTok. Uh, <laughs> yeah. The thing about TikTok is all the, the things that happen, the memes and the trends, they're all very juvenile adolescent things that mm -hmm. I don't need to revisit. Right. You know, like there's a thing where like girls would like pretend to like, bend down like they were going to give their boyfriend a blowjob but then they right. would just pick something up from underneath the couch yeah and i'm like that would have titillated me when i was like 18 or something and i'm right. a 34 year old grown man i don't need to watch videos of this <laughs> yeah it was yeah. just regressing me in my yeah. maturity level yeah anyway are, are you on it i mean i have it to to just watch the girls dance that's all i have it for <laughs> okay. um no i got i got it my i love what they're people that will post baby videos on it and yeah. you know i'm i'm on there for the positivity i just want to see fun happy things i know there are lots of other things going on on tiktok and that it can bring out some of the dregs of society and some of the weird but i don't want any of that i just want happy babies that's all i care about so when you first went on and you didn't follow anybody it didn't do the same thing to you that it did to me it wasn't just teenage girl after teenage girl Oh no, it did almost the exact same thing. But um, yeah. I started following. There's one. There's there's this guy dinosaur or uh, what's it called? Datasaur. He, he's okay. gotten fairly famous, and so my kids love it. My kids love that guy. So we'll watch that family that posts stuff. And uh, 
I, I think they have some sort of algorithm on how long you stay on a video and if you rewatch a video. Because I noticed as I skipped like the young people dancing, it I get less of those now. Hmm. So, okay. I don't know. It's a I whole see. social engineering platform though. I mean Yeah. Very it's very designed. I, I have I'm more intrigued by it than I am like really consuming it for entertainment purposes. So Well, another thing that it's made me realize is TikTok is such a logical extension of social media, its evolution, yeah. and they've learned how to draw us in even more. Yeah. So I was like, I'm not going to be able to get out of this. If I start to build a following or something, or yeah. if that was my intent, right. like I can barely stay off Instagram. And Instagram now, when you compare it to TikTok, it's such a static. Yeah. Like it barely Just got any picture? dynamic. A slideshow? Yeah. Come on. So if I'm having problems with that, TikTok, I can't even, I do feel like I'm missing out on the, the newest, biggest thing, but then I remind myself like George Carlin didn't have TikTok, you know? Yeah. And it's so, I mean, the newest, biggest thing is some stupid new TikTok dance or challenge trend that means nothing. Yeah. It means nothing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, man. So, so how long have you been doing stand up, DJ? Uh, 2009, 11 years. Wow. Wow. This is Decade. by far, I don't know when you started, but this is by yeah. far the longest I've gone without stand-up since I started. Yeah. Well, I've only been in it three. I mean, I'm in my third year, if you can even count any of this year. Uh, but yeah, this has been uh, somewhat brutal. Do you feel like you're going through withdrawals regarding stand-up as well? I feel awful when I think about it. <laughs> Let's For really real, dwell I, on I, it then. I yeah. feel like I lost a friend. Yeah. I, I, my whole identity, and, and this is, uh, you know, a lot of reflection that's been happening over the last, whatever it is, five months. My identity is a stand-up comedian. Right. That's who I am. And I love it. I love when somebody's like, what do you do? And I get to say, I'm a stand-up comedian. Yeah. And I don't just love it for being able to say it. I love going out and, and hanging out with friends and I love watching a friend do a set and I'm like, Hey, I like what you did with that joke. Maybe try that. I love everything about it and yeah. I miss it. I yeah. miss it a lot. So what drew you to doing stand-up? Um, I just knew, I just remember, I was just talking to my mom about this a few days ago. She said she remembered when I was like, I think she said 13 or 14 telling her like, I have to do stand-up. And she also said, I said the most narcissistic thing, which I vaguely remember because I used to write it in the journal too, that <laughs> the world is going to know my name. <laughs> That's <laughs> which great. Which I believe the, the Unabomber said the same thing. Did he? Well, uh, yeah. He might have, it, <laughs> the sentiment was the same. Uh, we've, yeah, hope, you know, different reasons. We've also been watching Hamilton on Disney Plus, and I'm pretty sure Lin-Manuel Miranda said the same thing on behalf of Alexander Hamilton. So Really? Yeah. Yeah. The world's okay. going to know your name is, uh, I think one of the lyrics. And so that it's okay. in the ether, that thought it's out there. Yeah. Yeah. No, I just, uh, so is I it just pure narcissistic it. fame or why did you approach your mom with this? I'm going to be a standup. What do you, what do you remember? I think it's that, that Bruce Springsteen feeling of, I got to bust out of this town, mm. you know, like I, I grew up in Kitchener, Ontario, Canada. Yeah. And, uh, not a bad city by any means but i just remember feeling like angsty like i gotta i gotta get out of here which isn't that uncommon of a feeling of course but sure um and i just i just loved making friends laugh i loved i did a lot of public speaking when i was young 
mm-hmm. and uh, I just loved it. And then I tried it for the first time when I was, would have been my second year of university. I was like 20. Okay. And then, and then I finished school. I did it a few more times, probably like six or seven times through, uh, through the next few years of university. And then as soon as I graduated, moved to Toronto, which is the biggest scene in Canada for stand-up. Sure. And just I got to it in 2009. But I just, I've always wanted to do it, which is another reason I'm feeling like I lost a friend because it's not just the time I've been doing it from 2009. It's like when I was a kid yeah. thinking about it too, you know? Yeah, And sure. I just, I want to, I want to say too, that people are dealing with way worse things as a result of this <laughs> pandemic. So, you know, that's my own personal thing. And it's so, yeah. you know, it's, it's light years away from being the most important thing on the planet, but that's, that's well, my thing. Well, sure. But, you know, it's it's like everyone deals with, I don't know, I want this to come out right in, in the sense that there's it could always be worse. It could always be worse. But that doesn't change the fact that what you're going through is also difficult, right? And difficult yeah. for you, you know? And I think there are lots of people out there that can't do their job, whatever it is, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And that's a difficult thing to have to face because so much in at least America, I don't know how it is in Canada, but you know, in America, a lot of identity is based on profession. Yeah. I'd say it's the same in, in Canada. I think a lot of the world, right? You go to a party, yeah. people, what do you at do? That's the first in capitalist question. countries, maybe not for the socialists. Maybe they're fine. Yeah. <laughs> just being, I'm just a, I'm a comrade. That's all I am. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so how big was, is, is Kitchener, Ontario? Is it a big ish city it's or is about, it? It's, it's, I think it might be like the 10th biggest city in Canada. No kidding. Well, I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say 20th biggest. Um, just but cover your bases. Like, yeah. I remember looking at the list and being surprised by how high up it was. Cause the population is yeah. only like 200,000. Oh, it's not a small, it's not a small yeah. town, but it's, you know, it's a city. Yeah. yeah. And as far as the comedy scene goes, you said Toronto's the biggest one. I mm-hmm. had, you know, I, I feel like that fits because Toronto's just a big city in Canada. Um, but, you know, the JFL is in Montreal. So how do the two scenes, do they overlap? You know, is it like a New York, L.A. kind of feel to Toronto and Montreal? It would be more like a... Uh, L.A. to Austin type feel where Montreal's got a scene, but it's not on the same level. So the, the festival is huge. Yeah. And then the rest of the year, there's not that much going on. There's gotcha. one club. There used to be two, and then the, the other one burnt down. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's one club. There's a few independent shows. But, no, Toronto's like the big game. And then Vancouver, and then Montreal's like a, a distant third. Got Maybe it. not even third. There's a few other cities that might be vying for that spot. So Montreal's got yeah. the prestige of the festival, but beyond that, it, Toronto's got way more going on. And as far as the club chain goes in Canada, I've heard Looney's is kind of the big spot up there. Is that accurate, or is that not? Is that not the big chain up there? Because like there are improvs, you know, down here that I feel like. Which one? Looney's. Is that not one in Canada? No, yuck yucks is a big one up there. Oh, maybe I'm thinking of of yuck yucks. No, are you talking about the loony bin? There's yeah. the loony bin here in America. There's a few of those. No, that's not what I'm thinking of. I don't know what I'm thinking of. Hmm. I'm trying to I think, think of a name that yuck might yucks be similar. Is the 
is the one in Canada. Oh, well, you know, who knows? You and I are probably the only ones who care to really delve into this anyway. Uh, <laughs> did you do most of your work here in the States then or, or in Canada? Or has it been split kind of in between? No, I haven't been working too much in Canada the last few years. I, I moved here at the end of 2016 and I made a pretty concerted effort to try to make it work here. I go back to Canada for corporate gigs or I filmed a special there last mm -hmm. two years ago. But other than that, and then I'll do, I'll work like some clubs around my hometown uh, and a couple clubs that I really like. So I probably do six club weekends there a year and then the rest is here. Got it. And, and was yeah. it part of the move to the States to pursue stand up more seriously or did you come down for acting yeah. or did you come down for yeah. something else? No, I was 100% stand up. Yeah. Yeah. When I said uh, the world is going to know my name, I didn't just mean 35 <laughs> million people in Canada. Said. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, Canada is a great place. Uh, it's great. It's great. Yeah. yeah. But nobody, even Canada doesn't care if you make it in Canada. You got to make it in America for Canada to care about you. Yeah, gotcha. Interesting. So you're mm -hmm. doing the um, Jim Carrey move. Reason he left yeah. Canada too. Yeah. Well, a lot of people don't even know Jim Carrey's Canadian. That's what Crazy. you got to do. You got to you got to get so big in America that they're surprised when they learn you're Canadian. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And disappointed. Right. All in the same. No. Uh. You mean we didn't produce you? <laughs> Come on. Are you kidding me? So in, in talking to some other comedians about their withdrawals, because it's not, you know, I hate to break it to you. It's not just a you problem, DJ. But a lot That's of comedians. That's the community I miss. <laughs> is uh, they're, they're looking to podcast. They're doing more podcasts. They're either starting one or they're, they're uh, you know, making one with a friend or, or and it feels like you and Mike Perkins had a great podcast going, reviewing mm -hmm. reviews, still out yeah. on Apple Podcasts. What, uh, I mean, are, have you thought about restarting it up? Because it ended, what, in April? It's like right before. I think so. Yeah. It ended kind of right when it all went down. Yeah, because our last podcast episode, we were talking about it a lot. Yeah. Uh, you know, I just didn't really want to review reviews anymore. <laughs> Like, what? <laughs> that, that was the concept of the show, obviously. And, and Mike's sure. amazing. And we had a great time. And I, I miss hanging out with him. But in terms of the actual podcast, uh, it didn't, we did it for a year. So yeah. I feel like we gave it a good, because I was having some second thoughts. Again, nothing to do with Mike, because I, I loved hanging with him. But I was having some second thoughts about the concept in my head. Sure. And how much I actually enjoyed it. And then I said, no let's do a year so that you can at least see if maybe you're, there's just some kinks to be worked out. So, right. Right. Um, I just, uh, and even I have another podcast, which is similar to, to yours and it's called definitely DJ and it's conversational. Yeah. And I've kind of put that one on hold too. And it's, uh, that one might come back. It's just kind of, I'm trying to treat this like a period of reflection, mm. uh, because, I didn't feel I had anything to contribute in a conversation. Mm -hmm. So I did a couple episodes of definitely DJ and I just felt like I was spinning my wheels. I don't know. Yeah. I, that sounds, a, it just felt like I just needed to kind of, the world was on fire and I maybe should just take a step <laughs> just, back. That's all. Yeah. yeah but yeah. I'm jonesing to do it. 
I'm, I'm taking the month off of July. I'm not just taking time off. Like I'm, I'm writing stuff, trying to sure. flex that muscle and flex that muscle, strengthen that muscle. I'm not just flexing over well, here. Well, you but, know, um, <laughs> every time you perform, it's a flex, DJ. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, I do want to, I do want to start being creative again. I feel like I needed to miss it, I think. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's fair. And I think, you know, a lot of artists go through uh, periods of reflection and kind of reinvention even right with, with projects they work on. So don't you feel like there's less reflection happening now in society? In, in, uh, on, on a grand scale. Uh, yeah, I, I guess I've never really thought about it in that respect. I've always thought of it more as a, um, issue of kind of personal responsibility kind of going away. But I think that coincides with, with reflection. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, I've never what really thought about What do you mean personal responsibility? I, I mean, I feel like the world has become more of a victimized haven. So if you have been a victim, then you are protected, which is good until until there's this motivation to be a victim, if that makes sense. And I think there's a, uh, there are incentives for people to try to be a victim. Mm. And I'm yeah. not, I'm not including like black lives matter in that. Obviously they have been victimized and, and that they, they deserve protection. I'm just saying that people, you know, uh, in general, I think when you get into let's, let's definitely protect the victims. There are those who take advantage of that kind of a system and say, well, I've been a victim too, even though they, you know, arguably may or may not have been, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel, uh, I feel the victimization people definitely uh, not just victimization, but people like to put themselves in some sort of box. So like there's mm. less nuance, like the victims are over here. The perpetrators are over here. Sure. You know, left is here, right is here, red is here, blue is here. And I feel like there's there's not a whole lot of middle path happening in many conversations. Uh, and I think that might have to do with the reflection. Like, yeah, most of my favorite artists, you know, like I'm a big Leonard Cohen fan, uh, musician that I just love him. But he would he would, you know, or Dylan, even Bob Dylan. Sure. You wouldn't hear from him for five years. Yeah. And then another album would come out. He wasn't on so and I know it was a different time, but even now, like Dave Chappelle's not on anything. He comes and yeah. he says what he has to say and he's given it serious thought and consideration and then he's gone. Yeah. And I just feel like there's a uh a little bit of a dearth of reflection happening because everybody feels the need to like mainline content into 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 the veins of and i'm talking as a content creator so right there might be people like my wife isn't on social media a lot so i know there's people just living their life and i think this is more from a creation perspective there's there's so much pressure to just like create 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 that there's yeah. not as much time for the the diamond to be you know for the coal to be turned into diamond is it coal that turned into a diamond yeah yeah with a lot of pressure and heat yeah yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I remember listening to a conversation Jerry Seinfeld had, I think on the Tom Papa and Fortune Themester podcast. Yeah. Where, you know, 
I guess Tom was asking Jerry essentially, which is a funny way of putting that, not in a cartoon way. Uh, yeah. He was asking him if Jerry was going to put out another special. And at the time, you know, I don't think Jerry was really planning on it. Uh, I think mm-hmm. after the podcast happened, he started talking with Netflix about comedians in cars plus, you know, his previous special and then putting out another one. But he made this comment that basically said, I think there are too many comedy specials out right now and they're not special anymore so if i do one it's going to be with material that i believe in and think is truly special so and i think there's a lot of reflection that goes into you know dave Chappelle's comedy as you mentioned jerry seinfeld's comedy uh and yeah i think we all could do better in in reflecting on choices we've made and choices we should make you know aspects of ourselves that we should improve or or highlight and I think that when you consume too much content, this has been on my mind so much. When I consume too much content, I can't really decipher what was my own creation and what I'm just taking from the input. Interesting. So, yeah. So then when it comes time to actually create my own stuff, I never know what's coming from an original place and what I actually was able to create. Because yeah. I take in so much information and in 10 minutes you're taking in more, you know, than your grandpa took in in the Sunday paper. You're like, sure. yeah. so, so, and then, and another thing is you're reading so much uh, editorial and not the original fact. So like you read the newspaper, there's yet editorial at the beginning, some opinion, most of the stuff you're reading is you're taking in the, the facts of the world and then you're able to create your own opinion but mm-hmm. twitter you're looking at the facts you're looking at the editorial and the opinion before you even get the fact it's all part yeah. of the same package so yeah. you don't even have time to make your own opinion you're immediately either agreeing or going against what you read yeah 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 well, and with twitter in particular is a very big pressure to also jump in the conversation right pick a side do it as quickly as possible and hopefully you're on the right side because if you're not you got to delete a tweet and hopefully no one's retweeted it or commented because then everyone knows. Yeah. <laughs> you know, a lot of pressure. Yeah. Crazy. So what do you think has led to this lack of personal reflection? Um, I can only speak for myself. I think I, I oh. think I have an idea of society in general, but yeah. Or North American society. But for myself, I think it is lack of impulse control. Mm-hmm. and so many things are put in front of you that even if you say no to one thing, another thing's coming. So, you know, myself, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Netflix, mm-hmm. Amazon, these are all just content that's, that's keeping you from sitting there and thinking. Like, I try to meditate. Yeah. Or I try to go for a walk even. And it's like a fight with myself to like leave my phone mm-hmm. on on the table. Like you're going to go for this walk and you're just going to think. And my brain's like, no, no. <laughs> I can't be left alone. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I think it's, it's just they present these enticing distractions. And I find it very hard to build the strength to completely push it away. Even if I'm like, no, I'm going to take a little break. That means a half hour. Yeah. Yeah. And and reflection is not done in a half hour. Like right. Loneliness is I was lonely sometimes when I was a kid. 
not uh -huh. lonely. I was alone. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and I'm very, I'm, it's so easy to not be alone now and you don't really realize that that would be exactly what you need or want. Right. You don't give yourself the time to make that discovery. Yeah. Yeah. And put things in perspective. Yeah. I, I, I guess my outlook on it too is that I, I generally sense, at least with our generation, there's a move away from organized religion, which is a big reason why I've started this podcast to kind of figure out perhaps why, if that's a good thing, maybe what there is that's good about that move and what there is that's negative about that move. And as you're talking, I'm wondering if some of that is also part of this negative move away from part of the negatives of the move away from religion is that my experience with religions is that it is very uh, self-reflective. You need to look at aspects of yourself. Sometimes it's negative. You need to look at the bad things about yourself to improve. But there's also, you know, look at the good things about yourself. And I wonder if, if, our move away from religion is also contributing to this lack of self-reflection. Do you have any thoughts on that? Do you agree? Disagree? Um, I think it's a very good point. I think that I would probably agree. I don't want to speak out of turn because I, uh, I haven't given much thought to that connection, but I think that's probably a, a pretty valid point. I think that, pretty much every religion, the dominant ones, dominant, I guess that's the word I'm looking for, the prevailing religion, yeah. they all have some element of reflection embedded in, you know, whether it's prayer or, or meditating or, or even just going to a service and sitting there for an hour. Mm -hmm. um, I guess, yeah, I think, I think that religion now is being supplanted. It's being replaced by because I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of religion. That's why I'm trying to choose, you know, sure. no offense. No, uh, none taken. I mean, I only uh, started all of them, but that's fine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I think that the, th that the positive things that I do like about them, yeah. uh, which are structure and reflection, are probably being, their absence is being felt right now. Because they're not just, they're replaced. And they're not, yeah. they're replaced with, um, I think 99% of everything that's filling our brains right now is toxic. I mm. really do. I think it's a yeah. really toxic world out there right now. And you don't realize cause it's all hitting you. Yeah. That's what, yeah. that's what I'm feeling lately. I feel like we're in a pretty dark place in terms of what we're, you know, garbage in garbage out when it comes to what you eat, what you put in your brain, people yeah. are putting a lot of garbage in our brain. Yeah. Yeah. In, in and, very small digestible bites, right? That's the problem I see mostly with, you know, TikTok or Instagram or Facebook is mm -hmm. and Twitter, you know, you're limited to 40 characters or whatever it is now, 140, I guess. I think it's 280. I think it like, was 140. Yeah. What well, kind of nuance, yeah. you know, it's very difficult. To, um, so, yeah, I totally agree with you. That's very interesting. What were you raised? You were raised religious or no? I was raised Catholic until, so it's actually pretty interesting because we went to church when I was young up until I was like seven or eight, I think, mm -hmm. maybe a little bit older, maybe nine, 10. And then we kind of just stopped going because my mom didn't really feel religious at all. And then yeah. 
my dad now in his later years is acting more religious, but I don't remember him being particularly religious. So we stopped going. Yeah. And then my parents split up when I was 13. Okay. And I went with my mom to a new neighborhood and we lived. Both of my older sisters were uh, out of the house. So it was just my mom and I. And I wanted to be religious. I felt like hmm. I wanted, because I was getting confirmed. I was in the eighth grade. And so our priest was telling us, you know, this isn't just some, you know, superfluous thing. Like, this is a calling yeah. to come back to God. Yeah. So, so I remember feeling that intensely and telling my mom, like, we need to find a church and I want to start going regularly. Yeah. So we went and my mom was like, I don't want to go to church. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. Don't try you said you want to be this. a stand-up. Why do you want to go to church? <laughs> yeah. So we went to a couple and... <laughs> it was so short-lived i think we went to a few and by like the third i was like i don't want to do that anymore <laughs> never mind i was wrong <laughs> i just wasn't feeling it there was no i wasn't yeah. uh, there was no spirit filling me every time i left all three of the churches we went to i just kind of felt like a guy was talking yeah and wasn't and you know maybe i didn't go to the right church or something but i never felt like the initial impulse I felt where the priest was like, get, you know, let God find you, you know, find your way to God. And I was yeah. like, yeah, that's exactly what I need to do. That didn't, didn't I didn't feel again. that when I actually went to the churches. Yeah. Well, I yeah. mean, did you go to any Mormon churches? Cause if not, I can tell you, you didn't go to the right church, DJ. That's just, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if there's a strong Mormon population in Kitchener. I don't curious. know. I don't know. I, I served my mission in, in the Quebec province. So, Oh yeah. And there was, where were you? Uh, so I, I started my mission in Gatineau, which is just on the border of yeah. uh, what Ontario and, and Quebec. My and dad then, grew up like on the other side of the border. Oh, no kidding. In Ontario. Yeah. 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 yeah, I know yeah. Gatineau. How yeah, old were you when so, you served your mission? How old? I was 19 and a half when I, when uh -huh. I went out. Because there's a legal drinking age in Quebec is eight or eight, 18. <laughs> eight. <laughs> I think a lot of them treat it like it's eight for sure. But uh, so many yeah. people go over there for like the strip clubs and everything. So no Quebec kidding. Like, sure. Yeah, it's Very loosey goosey. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So I was in but Gatineau you for a bit. That if no, we steered no. clear of all of that uh, for the better, I think. But yeah, Gatineau, I did some time in Montreal, did some time in Quebec City and did some time in Rimouski. Did some time is so funny just because. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I chose those words pretty carefully. No, it was a great experience. I really liked yeah. it a lot. Uh, very beneficial. Um, but let me ask you something. Cause yeah. You're 19. When I was 19, man, I mean, I, I just was led by uh, that little guy down there and <laughs> sure. alcohol. Like I was, I was your typical, you know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so you're 19. You're on your, you know, you're with a few other guys. So right, on your mission? Yeah, I mean you have a companion for whichever area. I mean, okay, so the mission's kind of divided into six week chunks, which we call mm -hmm. transfers. At least this is the way it was done when I was serving my mission. So you would have a companion for at least six weeks. That that guy would be your companion mm -hmm. for six weeks. It might be longer and it might be only six weeks, but um, you, you know, you're kind of moved around, right? And you're not with mm -hmm. the same person for the whole two years that you're out. You're with different people, but always, I mean, typically one, maybe, maybe two companions at a time. 
I only ever had one other companion. And you didn't have any experiences with companions in Quebec that were like, come on, let's party. Like, I'm just thinking that many young guys, and I know you're yeah. all Mormon, but isn't anybody been like, come on? I mean, I heard about some, nothing like nothing too nefarious, but there, I think the most risque thing I heard about was a companionship in a small fishing village, um, you know, similar to Ramuski, small town somewhere out in the middle of nowhere, uh, where, where they were getting, you know, they, they got along really well with some of the other youth members of the church, some people about their same age, and they ended up having like this, uh, one of the members wanted to film a documentary about the missionaries. So she, and this was already a huge red flag, was that this, it was this young woman wanting to film missionaries going about their daily life, but that meant she was following these you know, men around and they're all about the same age. So that can only create feelings and issues, right? Um, but they ended up getting together and having a viewing party, uh, you know, essentially a, what do you call, a premiere of this documentary at her house. And I remember hearing about it that the parents were not present, which was like a, a huge no-no. So they ended up yeah. getting in some trouble, not, I mean, they weren't kicked out of the mission field or anything, but uh, I do remember the mission president calling them in, having a, a stern talking with them. So they were That's certainly moved out of that area. What's that? That's legitimately the most nefarious story you have. Yeah. I mean, I heard about, you know, other people, you know, but that was the most nefarious one. Yeah. How is the Mormon faith strong enough to overcome the sheer stupidity and horniness of a 19 year old male brain? Oh, I mean, it doesn't for everybody, right? There, that's certainly not that. That was just an experience from my mission. There are definitely other issues that other missionaries have faced. Um, but, you know, I think this gets to kind of the personal aspect of the Mormon faith. And what I think is really positive about religion in general is that it is, it's asking a lot of you individually. Um, and you might think the promises are made up or hocus pocus or whatever. But for those who, like myself, truly believe in the promises of the religion, it's, it's, a, it's a pretty motivational force when you couple that with, legitimately sincere uh feeling and belief you know mm -hmm. i think there's a lot no, you know just psychologically and so you know i could i could discredit it all right by saying well it's a social thing that's why you're with a companion who's you know things are less likely to happen in groups of two than they are just on your own uh and there's a huge social stigma you know if you're sent home early from your mission in the mormon church there's a lot of social stigma that comes with that. Um, and what's that look like? I, I mean, there's, there's a, an increased suicide rate in young men that come home from their missions early because of social stigma. Uh, wow. I mean, in day-to-day -day life, it's not probably anything that's too overt, but you know, there are those circumstances or experiences where young men come home from their missions early and everyone in the ward, the, the congregation, you know, you sort of know they only come home for a few reasons. One might be mental health issues. One might be this worthiness issue. And another might be they just couldn't hack it and they wanted to come home, you know? Yeah. And all of those are looked on, I think, kind of equally negatively, unfortunately. 
So, you know, you get parents that are like, oh, are you dating the Lawrence boy who came home early? Well, he's, he's kind of a bad egg. I don't want you hanging out with him. And, you know, that perpetuates throughout the congregation fairly, fairly quickly because everyone knows. And, um, you know, then you're, you feel alone. You feel alone amongst people that you thought were supposed to love and support you and help you through trial. And what else do you do, you know? Mm, that's a pretty strong incentive to stay on the straight and narrow when you're, you're doing your mission. Right. So there's a huge yeah. social stigma. Not all of them obviously kill themselves, but a lot leave the church after coming home because it's just easier to, you know, either they don't feel the spirit at all and that's why they leave their mission early or that's why they do what they do to get out of the mission when they're on the mission. Yeah. But, you know, yeah, there's, there's a pretty heavy social stigma coming home as well. So. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah. But, you know, I mean, the, the quote from Joseph Smith along these lines is if a religion doesn't ask all of its members of a, or of its followers, it's really not a religion worth following, you know? Hmm. So, sounds kind of culty, I guess, but that's, you know, if you get right down to it, if you want to evoke change, you need to have, uh, you need to ask a lot of people, I suppose. Yeah, you enter, yeah. 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 But, but you know, on the, on the flip side, it's sort of like what better, what better way to spend the throes of adolescence than out trying to do good. You know, the whole point of the mission is not necessarily to get people to convert, but to give people positive experiences with the Mormon faith. So, you know, a lot of my mission was not, a lot of it was proselyting, but a huge chunk of it was just doing service. You know, we spent, I don't know, at least 20 hours a week in a food kitchen every week, um, serving to those in need in communities where we were, we would teach English classes, um, to those in, in French speaking Quebec, a lot of, a lot of Chinese students actually wanting to learn Mm. English for free. So, you know, we're trying to help in ways that we can, and that's better than sleeping around. Right. Uh, Maybe. I don't know. I got (laughs) to, I got to think about this a bit longer. Yeah. Was there any like catalytic moment or things that pushed you away from religion or was it more just, Oh, I maybe feel kind of cheated or lied to that. This wasn't all that I hoped it had been. Well, I'm coming. There's two forces of my personality running into each other here. And one is some of the stronger beliefs that I hold. And the other is my desire to not offend anybody or hurt anybody. So you I've had, are... A- so let me just say this, DJ. I've had people on here who are full-blown atheists. They, mm-hmm. I don't think anybody that I've had on like hates religious people. If that's where you fall, I would love to hear about it. Um, <laughs> Been wanting but- to say this to you for a while, Seth. <laughs> Shut your face. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If that's where this conversation goes, this is what I've asked for. No, I just want an no. open, honest conversation. But, uh, you know, people, I've had people on here who definitely think religion is incredibly silly. Some who've been... Uh, you know, as honest as to say, they think it's even detrimental, you know, to try to stifle children into thinking that sexuality is bad or whatever. And I think there are some misconceptions about religion in those statements. But mm-hmm. my point is, say whatever you want, you be you be as honest as you want to be about your feelings on religion, I'm not going to be offended. And this is a podcast more for people to get those thoughts out in a safe space. 
because I think those on my side of the fence religiously who love religion are sometimes myopically focused on how good religion is and don't notice the bad with an organized religion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I guess my problem with religion is I just, I don't buy into it. I, I don't derive any sense of um, higher purpose in my own life by thinking that there's a God Mm-hmm. controlling controlling the universe and, and looking over me yeah none of that rings true for me sure and i would never say it's wrong or right because purely on a statistical level i mean you got you know hindus buddhists christians yeah all of them billions around the world so you know billions of people aren't morons Right, right. I, I mean, hundreds of millions are morons. But. <laughs> yeah, but billions? No <laughs> way. There's got to be something no, but, to the religion thing. But uh, yeah, yeah, I yeah, think yeah. I I think it it does help people. Certainly, it's hurt people throughout the the centuries. Uh, or or violence has been, you know, acted upon in the name of religion. Whether that was actually the religion that was a full reason for it, but it's it's not. Right. Uh, it's not. 100% the bad guy and it's it's not 100% the savior like here's something that I had a hard time with was yeah well I'll use Mormonism as the example sure is you're obviously you're in America and then you're throughout the world you're in Canada and like the Philippines and you, you've spread throughout the world but yeah. you're not everywhere right so if you were born in India you, there would be no chance or a 0.001% chance you would be a Mormon. Mm-hmm. So, and you would believe you and I might be having this conversation in India on your podcast, you know, about uh, what uh, great heights that um, you've been inspired to by your Hindu belief. Sure. So my thing is it seems so circumstantial mm. that I can't fully buy into it because it's so, geographically contingent it's so your parents what they believed and what they teach you so i can't fully buy into it because i guess my parents didn't fully knock it into me yeah and so i didn't feel a particular attachment to one religion and i don't feel an attachment to any beyond that but i see like you're you're such a nice guy and and you're it's so clear that your mormon faith gives you a strong kind of from what I know about you, you got sure. that, that, that center, you're, you're grounded in something. And I think that's really important. And I think that I would rather have that than mm. to be, you know, unmoored and just out at sea without a paddle. So yeah, I, I see the value in it and I see if it makes you, well, you know, I joked when you said I'd rather be helping people and being at the, the food kitchen than <laughs> right. having the, right. the example you used was like than having sex or messing around or whatever. Right. Again, I, I need more time to think about that particular <laughs> comparison, but <laughs> but it's it's better than sitting at home playing video games and only thinking about yourself or sure. or being sad and alone and feeling like that nobody uh, cares about you in this world. So I, yeah, I do see yeah. the benefits of religion. I myself don't feel particularly moved by it. And I am often angered when I see it used 
for ill intent. Sure. Yeah, I, but I, I, we agree I, wholeheartedly on that. I think that's really unfortunate. I think I have strong opinions on it, but I'm trying to tame any strong opinions I have about anything. Not, yeah. not just for you. <laughs> just in general. I mean, I saw this bumper sticker two days ago that I was like, everything I've been thinking lately was just summed up by a bumper sticker. <laughs> but it said, don't believe everything that you think. Oh. And, and that's exactly... Interesting. I'm like such a product of what my parents taught me, what yeah. I learned in Kitchener, what I learned in Toronto, what I've learned in LA. Yeah. But it's such a big world and I've traveled enough that you meet people who are in this completely, like a world that you can't even imagine growing up in. Right. And you're like, that's another human on this planet. Yeah. Like, yeah. We're like really similar, but you're living this completely. But, yeah. Totally like, different. Think of the tribes stumbling out of the Amazon right now because the Brazilian government's burning their home up and they're like, what yeah. the hell's going on out here? Yeah. We're the same species. Yeah. Yeah. Completely. I don't know, man. No, I it's true. I think I need to it do a couple of ayahuasca trips and just dive into this fully. <laughs> I love it. So, I mean, with all that in mind, I'm curious where you think this drive you had at 13 to be christened or to find a religion where did that come from for you? Is that more just a social drive, you know, kind of a psychological thing that your previous parishioner or, uh, you know, priest had, had instilled in you? I think I had, I think enough people going to Catholic school uh, and with this concerted effort during the confirmation time, I had enough Catholic forces like pushing me towards it. Gotcha. That and I wanted to believe, you know, I was like yeah. older. I was like, I want to believe. What if there's this magic thing on the other side of this transformation that I just yeah. need to like? I need to do it, and then and then maybe I didn't do it long enough, but I realized it wasn't going mm. to be. So I, I think that's what drove me is the idea that maybe there's something I will unlock. Yeah. Yeah, I can understand that. So where do you stand on like an afterlife? Is there, do you even think about it? Does it even matter to you? Or or is there something after? I don't think so. Yeah, I, nothing. I, this is where I, I go, I don't know. Mm -hmm. Like I have no idea. So yeah. there's something you hope for? Do you Do you hope for something after? Or is that... I I can't even comprehend what an afterlife would look like. Mm -hmm. There's no way in my mind I see it being anything like what we're doing right here. Yeah. If there's even an afterlife. I don't yeah. even know if afterlife, I know I'm getting really, I feel like I'm getting weirder as this conversation goes on. <laughs> no, I, I, I love it. I don't care if you get as weird as you want. Yeah. I love talking about and I realized I haven't talked about it with anybody. I mean, my wife and I talk about stuff, but we don't sit down for an hour and be like, tell me about your thoughts right. on religion and the afterlife. Right. Um, but I just don't see it being, if it does exist, I don't yeah. think I see it existing. If it does exist, I don't even think the word afterlife will describe whatever the hell it is. Like, uh -huh. I don't even, I don't even think whatever that is, the iteration of ourselves that we are, we'll even know that we were in whatever this world is. It, mm. 
Because so you don't think there will be a continuity of consciousness? It'll be something completely different if there's anything at all. Yeah, and I, I don't think I, the current soul I have or consciousness I have, will be aware that it's a con- continuous thing. If it is yeah. continuous in a more kind of physical, you know, on a physics level, if, if it is, honestly, man, I, I have no idea. Yeah, well, fair I, enough. I, yeah. I plan on just feeling like it, when I take my last breath, it's over. That's kind of how I'm sure. gearing my mind towards it. Yeah, and then whatever there is, if you're conscious of it, you'll be pleasantly surprised. I'll tell you one thing. <laughs> yeah. I don't want to I don't want to <laughs> die. No, are you afraid of death? I think so. Yeah. I think it drives a lot of what I do. Yeah. I think that uh that's a big reason this time off stand up is killing me right now cuz I'm like I only have a limited lifetime. Yeah. And I'm not doing anything with this these months <laughs> right now. Right. Sure. Other than, I mean, you are trying to improve yourself with personal reflection and a refocusing, which is very admirable. You know, that's good. I yeah, think that's great. Thank you. Thank uh, you. Does coronavirus yeah. scare you though? Because it poses this threat of death. Are you scared by Corona, by COVID-19 or no? I still take some, I feel like I'm 34 years old. I feel like I would be able to tough out whatever it is, but that's yeah. kind of illogical because there's been some pretty healthy people younger than me even who have, who have had it. So sure. I'm not, supposedly I'm not... healthy DJ, you know, who knows? Yeah. No. Yeah. yeah, well, yeah. I'm, I'm supposedly healthy too. <laughs> well I don't taken. know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I am a little scared of it. It's, it's a national or global health crisis that scared me more than any hmm. that I've ever been through. Yeah, sure. Like, like when well, I go to the grocery store, I, I for us. No, exactly. You know? I don't like think the I'm housing alone market in that. crash is very different from this. Yeah, and I wasn't even. That was 2008. I wasn't thinking about. Yeah, I was unemployed at that time, but I didn't know why the hell that was. I wasn't thinking. <laughs> like, this is because of the housing what happened? crisis. Everybody's on my level now. This is great. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. I feel scared. I think about it when I'm out now, like if somebody mm. coughs or sneezes, I'm like, Ugh. and I just think about it, like when I'm 70, how that's going to feel like I'm, it's scary to be an old person or somebody with a compromised autoimmune system. Like that's yeah. scary as hell. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Do you think some of that fear comes from, uh, I guess an, an, uh, an uh, insecurity or an unknowingness about a- what happens after death? I was wondering, as I said it out loud to you, I'm like, is that the connection? Do I need to <laughs> find God and believe in the afterlife? Yeah. Uh, maybe. I mean, yeah, if I believe there's an afterlife and that a, a beautiful, warm God was going to embrace me in his, yeah. you know, oh, I'm right. thinking about it now. Oh, yeah. I hope. It'd be great, right? <laughs> That would be amazing. Uh, that might be that might be part of it. But I also I'm scared of death. But I also love life. Yeah. And I'm not yeah. expecting anything on the other side of it. Like I'm I wake up every day and I'm like another day. Amazing. What a treat. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and there's some people I've talked to who you know believe similar to you in that like there's nothing afterward, and they actually find that really comforting, which I don't understand. 
but but they fe- find it really comforting that there's not this overlord judging them all of the time and wait you know what i mean like because with yeah. religion there's kind of this impending judgment day this impending uh are you in heaven or are you not and what does that mean and what do you have to do to get there and they find it more comforting just be like nah, none of that is none of that is out there so we just have a good life here and that's it i i agree with that i don't need a like yeah because god sounds so judgy in every religion (laughs) sure i mean there are there are aspects of that i suppose yeah but you know we're all we're all kind of judgy too right yeah but i like to think i'm a good guy but according to any religion i don't think i'm getting into heaven yeah you don't think you're a good enough person to get into heaven I, I do. Are. Yeah. If I created heaven, I'd be the first guy I let in. But, <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> but I'm saying, like, you can't drink under Mormonism, right? Uh, right. You cannot drink alcohol. I'm out. I'm not You're making out? it to heaven. Well, I mean, there is there is a path of repentance in the Mormon faith that extends beyond the grave, you know? Yeah, so, but there's that judginess. Now I got to repent for having a beer? Well, you know, if you're impure, if you're not letting the Holy Spirit in because you're letting the devil's drink in, then yeah, there there might be aspects about yourself you need to change. Yeah, and I guess if I had gone down that path earlier, I would maybe agree with you because I would uh, think of all the amazing experiences I had when I wasn't drinking and that took me down the right path. But instead, I'm sitting here where I've had a lot of fun experiences when I drank and <laughs> sure. And you but give I did those a lot up? of stupid yeah. but I did a lot of stupid stuff too, so I do see the right. the evil of drinking. Yeah. But I still am happy I did it and I wouldn't want to repent for it. Wow, well then there you go. I guess you're stuck. You know I don't want to repent I don't want to leave the American government checking on my whereabouts on my phone and, and uh you know taking my money and my taxes every year and then I finally escape that and then there's some god dude waiting for me for the next level of you know? the exact same thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like nah, I'm good. Yeah. I'm kinda cool with no I'd be cool if it was just done yeah. and yeah, like it's over like in every sense of the word. I, yeah. I don't mind that it's over because it just, I don't exist. Right. Right. Well, you know, it's just no consciousness, right? So yeah, totally over. Oh God, that sounds so scary. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you could come to my end of the, of the pool DJ where there's a warm, loving heavenly father and mother waiting to welcome you home. You know, I would love to Seth. But, and again, this isn't disrespectful. I don't believe it. Yeah, and And that's that's fair. I'm not trying to disrespect you, but I can't, it's not here for me. Yeah, yeah, no, I get it. I get it. The thing that I love about my faith is that whether or not people, you know, like you, believe it or not, that's just the reality. They're going to be there waiting for you. And that's okay that you don't think that's true. Can you take a guest can I come with you? And you just kind of be like, this is my buddy, DJ. Yeah. So here's, here's a fun. It's cool. You got to believe me. Right. Here's, a, here's probably the, the most interesting aspect, I think, about my faith's belief in the afterlife. Okay. So our heaven is very big, very big. And there are different levels in our heaven. And our hell is actually very, very small. 
How many square feet are we talking here? I mean, how big can you can you imagine? It is it is bigger than you can imagine. This heaven, you know. Um, and how, how small is your hell? Small. It's like I'd say two thousand square feet. It's probably a good size home, full of just terrible people. Ooh. Yeah, tough stuff. Uh, but so there's this aspect of Mormon afterlife where in heaven, those who attain kind of higher level glory, right. Who make it into higher levels of heaven can actually Mm -hmm. visit those in lower levels, but doesn't go the other way. So, Mm. you know, you, you reach the end and you're like, Hey, I'm not willing to give up drinking, smoking weed, you know, whatever, whatever. I'm going to go to this level of heaven. Me, I'm obviously going to go to a higher level of heaven. I can come down and visit you. That's what's cool about it. But you can't, you can't come up with me to the VIP suite. That is a caste system in heaven. <laughs> I mean, it's a self-selected caste system, right? You're not, you're not put there by anyone but yourself. You choose where you're going to be most happy. That's what, that's what we sincerely believe. Hmm. What are those levels called? I was reading them before I before you called me. Yeah, so celestial is the is the tippity top, terrestrial yeah. is the middle, and telestial is the lower. Teles, that's how you remember. Last, least, telestial. Celestial. What was the middle one? Terrestrial. Terrestrial. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. See, I think humans respond really well to structure. Sure. So this this heaven idea and and the levels and everything, yeah. you know, every even Scientology with the different levels you get to while you're here on Earth, right? Yeah, clear. Right. I feel like these are human ways of like we're such achievement oriented creatures, yeah. Like like goalposts, like markers, yeah. That. I just, I see that as a really human creation and yeah. I don't know if uh, a, an all-knowing omniscient God would create levels and goalposts. Like, again, yeah. that's just me. These are the things I have a hard time with. Right. And I think that's a very fair point. I don't, I, I agree with you. I think it's, we're communicating in sort of our construct of how we make sense of the world right mm-hmm. now. Uh, it's probably more accurate to really think of them as states of being, not necessarily as particular places or levels that you have, you know? And that state of being could be altered by a night of drinking. Right. Well, see, this is where, this is the less that I gave you the mainstream. Okay. Mm. That's mainstream belief. The, I think more nuanced interpretation of how the afterlife works there are some in my faith that believe you can actually move between these levels in that you can make a mistake at a higher level and essentially, you know, move down, right? Choose like, you know what, this is not where I want to be. I'd rather do this, uh, I guess, stereotypically bad thing and move to this level of heaven or glory. And others can be like, look, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rise above my station and go up. I'm going to give up these bad things that I liked to do in this previous life. And I'm going to, I'm going to move on up. That's a less accepted view, but uh, perhaps, perhaps just as realistic for the afterlife as, as the other. 
You ready to move into the formal? I'm pull up my bootstraps. You ready move to move into the to formal? Uh, what's the deal with Mormons segment? You ready to unleash your questions for me? I'm ready. Let's go. What's I'm the ready. deal with Mormons, DJ Demers? What's the deal with uh, Mormons not being able to drink coffee? Is that true? That is true. And it comes from a, a revelation in our book called, of Doctrine and Covenants. So we have the Book of Mormon, which is the stereotype, like the gold plate. That's the book, right? The Book of Mormon translated. The Doctrine and Covenants mm -hmm. is a collection of revelations received by Joseph Smith and a couple other more modern day prophets. Um, and one of those revelations is what we call the word of wisdom that includes uh, this phrase that, that says, you know, hot drinks, no hot drinks for, for Latter-day Saints. And that has been interpreted as coffee and tea. So not herbal tea, but, you know, like sweet tea or, you know, all the other non-herbal teas out there. I don't know many of them because I've just never really looked and every herbal tea I've had tastes awful. So I have no interest in the Earl Grey teas. Um, mm. And then coffee. So those have been, you know, that's, that's the hot drinks. I love hot chocolate, hot cocoa does me good. Love it. Not out. You can have that. Yeah. So it's not a temperature huh. thing. It is a substance thing. So yeah, cold, cold brew, no cold brews. Wow. It's kind of funny because it's like they just want you to stay a kid forever. They're like, no alcohol, <laughs> no coffee, no tea. You stick to that hot chocolate, mister. I mean, there, there are a few scriptures in the Book of Mormon that talk about how wonderful children are. And because they just listen to what their parents tell them. I have three kids of my own. I don't know which children they're talking about in this scripture. But supposedly, <laughs> children are very submissive and meek. So there, there are aspects of childhood we should, we should emulate as adults. I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Yeah. Um, how old are your kids? My oldest is eight. Then I have a five-year-old boy. So eight is a girl, then five-year-old boy, and then a one-and-a-half-year-old girl. That's beautiful. That's a nice little family. Must be yeah. fun around the house. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> I bet. Yeah. Yeah. I got four uh, nieces and a nephew, but no kids of my own. Yeah. Well, none yet. Yeah. Are you planning? Do you think? Do you want? No. Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Trying to make a pandemic baby, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> hey, man, there's nothing better than a pandemic <laughs> baby. <laughs> um, another question about Mormonism. Okay, here's one. So yeah. you are very accepting. You're having this conversation saying... I don't care what you believe. If you're agnostic, yeah, that's fine. Yeah. I mean, but it's not you, fine, but I'm okay with it. <laughs> do you feel a sense of superiority because you have this faith that you so strongly believe in and, and you believe that it's made your life better? So even though you're having these conversations and you're open-minded, is there a sense of superiority in there? This is a tough question for me because my comedic persona is trying to play on that. I do think... Mm -hmm. You know, if I'm going to be 100% honest with myself, there's, there's a little aspect of me that's like, yeah, of course you fear death because there's nothing waiting for you. You know, there's yeah. a little bit of that. But in, in all, uh, I think, sincerity, 
no, I don't think I'm better than anybody who doesn't believe in God or who believes in a God that's different than the God I believe in. Because, I mean, are we good people? Are we really just trying our best to be nice to each other? That's really, to me, what matters most right now, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, I definitely feel grateful for perspectives that I have and and kind of outlooks on you know, tough things that I've dealt with in my life that I feel like have been improved because of my faith. But does that make me better than anybody else? No, I don't think so. What and, was the, the most doubtful moment you've ever had? Have you had any moments like that? Yeah, I don't know if, if I have any where I'm like, well, this one, this one is where I doubted God the most. I mean, there have been... um I, I don't think I ever had a, a moment on my mission where I thought, you know, this can't be real or this isn't real because no one's listening to me. Um, there were, I don't know. I don't know that I've ever, I guess the only time where I ever feel like, oh, maybe I will just give all of this up is if I ever go into this place of like, if my wife and I get divorced, then what would I do? And I can, I can see myself in that kind of situation being more uh, susceptible, I suppose, is the right word, to leaving my faith. I've, I've, I've never really doubted my faith. It's more a, a, uh, an issue of doubting how I fit into it, if that makes sense. There have been, you know, like in, in when I studied for the... I'd, I grew up not wanting necessarily to be a stand-up comedian. I grew up wanting to be a lawyer because, you know, my parents, I got this sense from them that the entertainment industry was not a reliable way in which to provide for a family. And that's Mm -hmm. sort of, as a man in the faith, like that's your number one kind of responsibility is to have a career that can provide. So I grew up wanting to be a lawyer. And went to law school and then had to take the bar three times in North Carolina, which is not a stereotypically tough bar. So there were moments throughout that period of my life where I was very uh, unsure of myself, but it never, it never hit a place of maybe my faith is wrong. It was more just, I have felt led to this moment, but why, why have I felt led to this moment? If that hmm. makes sense. Yeah. You still just trusted that it was God that had led you to this moment. You didn't lose faith in that. Well, that's, I mean, I guess that's where, no, I definitely felt like, have, have I just been personally pushing for this and kind of putting my will in place of God's or was uh, this God's will that I be here? But it was never, it was never like God doesn't exist. You know, hmm. my doubt never, never steered that direction it just was more a question of have i misread signals you know have i misread you know promptings or thoughts or feelings has it all just been me pushing for this because i wanted it so badly Mm. i don't know that i've actually come to a decision on that to be quite honest uh the interesting thing is once i decided to do stand-up full-time and really pursue it while being a stay-at-home dad there are definitely aspects of my stand-up career if i can even call it that at this point 
that came very easily, actually, much easier than, you know, law school or becoming a lawyer. Hmm. So you don't do, you don't practice law. You're just 100% stand up. Yeah. Yep. Stay at home dad with the three kids, which now yeah. is going to become a stay at home school teacher. Uh, part of my soul died when I heard all of this. Oh God. We're going to make it, we're going to make it through, but yeah, it's, yeah. So I've moved out of the law completely. Yeah. Is that frowned upon now? Do you, do your parents think that was a wrong move? Uh, my parents are definitely, they're, they're sort of scared for the insecurity of it all, you know, mm, but, yeah. but like my wife has a great job and that's the, I, you know, it's not like I'm being irresponsible. That's, that's the reason I made the move was so that I could take care of the kids so that she could pursue her career, which was making financially more than I was. So, you know, for our family, I think it was the right decision for sure. Um, nice. Yeah. Before stand up became an obsolete profession. Yeah. Before it all died. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I don't know when it's going to come back that I'm just kind of, I don't know. I mean, when do you I, think I, you're going to get on the cruise ships again? DJ? I'm never doing cruises again. Never, never, ever. Oh, I, I, I already decided before this all went down, I couldn't have chosen. I did my last cruise in January. Canceled yeah. the two I had booked after that. The one that the first big one, the what was it? The Princess Diamond. Yeah, I yeah, the one that got Princess stranded Di from Alaska to Japan. Yeah. I was supposed to do that one in September. That was no. the one I canceled. I wasn't supposed to be on the one that was the yeah, actual. Yeah, yeah. But but same yeah, that line. was the exact ship I was going to be on Ooh. in September that I canceled. I did it in January, and I just was like, I can't do cruises anymore. Like I can't. I just yeah. can't. Yeah. Uh, so I, I canceled the next two I had and said no to two more. And yeah. then all this went down. Jeez. That was probably the right move. I don't know how gung ho people are going to be to get back on cruises anyway. Well, if you look at the amount of people that are still protesting that they have to wear masks and, and saying open the economy, even though their states are in the throes of this virus, yeah. those are all the people that will be going on cruise. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Which only, I guess, lends credence to Bill Burr's thoughts on population control. I don't know if you love heard it. that bit. Yeah. I just watched it yesterday. <laughs> I've been on a huge Bill Burr kick. Fantastic. He's so it. great. I he's think great. he's my favorite. He's fantastic. It, for me right now, it's a, a neck and neck tie between him and Dave Chappelle as my favorite stand-ups. Agreed. But I don't know who's, who's even touching those two guys. Like Dave Chappelle's 846. I loved it. Yeah. I mean, it was terrible, <laughs> but it like, I hate that he had to make it. Yeah. But I, I love what he did with it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I definitely appreciated what he had to say. And I guess this is too, where I feel like people are replacing religion with other things. I feel like I did not watch 846 in the same way that I think a lot of my friends watched it in the sense of looking to someone for moral direction, you know? I think um, you're right. And he touched on that exact point in it. Yeah. Why do you guys care what I have to say? Yeah. And, and honestly, when he said that, I thought because they don't have religion, Dave, and they need, they need someone to help them through this. 
religion is absent and also there's no leadership in the federal government right now. How, how dare you say that? <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> I meant Canada. Come on. Jeez. Right. right. Justin Sorry. Trudeau, Sorry. you son of a <laughs> No. Uh, there's just not a lot of, uh, yeah. there's not a lot of top down kind of structure happening right now that can be depended upon. So, right. Um, I think that, when Dave, the thing is you have to look up to somebody as your kind of voice of reason. And yeah, I don't think he's right about everything. I think a few of the things he said, I don't necessarily agree with, but when it comes to talking about like being black in America, I want to know what Dave Chappelle has to say. Yeah. Yeah. Wholeheartedly. I, I, I completely agree. Yeah. Because it is, I mean, you know, it's a foreign world to me. I have no other insight, but I mean, now all of my friends are stand-ups for the most part. So, you know, I feel like I get an insight into some of it through through their experiences. But, but you know, yeah, it, it was, I think it's a very eye-opening experience to be able to hear someone talk openly, honestly, truthfully about it. And with the way society is going, I feel like stand-ups are the only ones in that position. Politicians can't speak truthfully or honestly anymore. And I don't think a lot of news sources feel like they can either unless they are doing so from a certain perspective. Yeah, there's too much emphasis on money. I yeah. mean, when it boils down to it, it's money. So they got to figure out what advertisers are going to yeah. pay them and what, what, like, I just read this amazing thing that, uh, Tucker Carlson, one of his writers, did you hear about this? No. One of his writers got fired because it turned out he was under a pseudonym online. Oh, I did hear about this. Yeah. Writing just racist saying, stuff. Terrible stuff. Yeah. Terrible racist, bigoted stuff. Yeah. And then, so I read in this article that, these I was so disappointed to find out it was a pseudonym. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, I think it was like Procter and Gamble, yeah. Amazon, like big companies said they were going to pull their commercials right. from Tucker Carlson's program. Right. But there's 23 other hours on Fox News and they were like, well, let's not go crazy here. Yeah. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know well, and I mean? who knows? I mean, there are other writers on his show too. It wasn't just this one writer that was in a nut job there are other people too well one person's night job or nut job is another person's perfect writer for the audience they're trying to reach right? i mean i like, guess so yeah. So, yeah, yeah yeah so but i just there's so much money there's so much even like politicians right i on yeah. a purely human level if i make couches and you're running for office and i give you five hundred thousand dollars like you better not say a single bad thing about couches, man. Like <laughs> not your couches. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But couches in general don't hurt my bottom line. I gave you five hundred thousand dollars, right? And we just accept that they're allowed to take donations. But like, I'm only human. Yeah. And so I, I don't put these politicians on a, a higher pedestal or anything. They're only human as well. Yeah. Like, of course they're gonna. They got yeah. families, they got lifestyles, they probably have four mansions they gotta keep paying for. Like <laughs> Right, right. You know what I mean? So I yeah, just think for sure. that we Whereas, have to you know, people pay Dave to speak the truth. Yeah. 
Exactly. We just need to realign our incentives for why politicians get paid. But I don't think that's really a possibility at this point. I believe in politicians less than I believe in God. Oh, yeah. Good. Good. That should be a wholehearted, (laughs) resounding yes from everyone on this podcast. Yeah. Yeah. You would hope so. Yeah. Imagine if somebody was like, yeah, the opposite kind of, you'd be hard to envision that person being a good person. Very tough. I mean, the people who sincerely think, I don't know anybody who really does, but I've heard of people touting that like Trump is some sort of Christ figure. And that blows my mind. I don't understand that at all. Well, you can convince yourself of things, right? You got to resolve some cognitive dissonance somehow. So if he's helping you in some areas, but you know, the fact that he cheats on his wife and has been divorced. If, if that doesn't align with your religious values, well, you say, Oh, well, you know, God works through many different types of vessels and, you know, like like he might not be perfect, but he's been sent here to whatever. Like you can figure out a way to wrap your head around it. No, that's true. That is true. I think that's what the whole society is actually dealing with right now. You know, um, you know, there's been like, that's what cancel culture I feel like is trying to face bad, bad people who have done good things. Yeah. There's no nuance. We're trying to deal with everything in a black and white way, a binary way. And there's just people have too many. I, and a, a big thing is, I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out, but I think I read a a great quote. It was actually a a comment on a YouTube video, (laughs) but it said, uh, I only get my um, life platitude from bumper stickers. You have a very interesting uh, sample set. (laughs) Yeah. From which you glean knowledge. Yeah. It's at the beginning of the episode, I was chastising everybody who does garbage in, garbage out. And I'm like, anyway, I saw this bumper sticker. YouTube comment. Yeah. <laughs> but this YouTube comment, well, I was watching a video on quitting social media. Yeah. And it was from this guy named uh, Jaron Lanier. And he's the guy who, he coined the term virtual reality. And he was one of the first guys hmm. who invented virtual reality. And he's, he's got a new book out now called, who cares? I'm not pimping at his book. But... Uh, <laughs> How much money did he give you, DJ? <laughs> yeah. No, he's got a book out called, I haven't read it is the main reason I don't want to say it, but it's something like 10 reasons to quit social media. Uh-huh. And, and there's a, he, what he said was really insightful, but this comment said, if you don't have to pay for a product, you are the product. Oh, sure. Interesting. And yeah. that really, all these hours I spend on Instagram or whatever, even yeah. when you look at these coronavirus maps and they're able to show everybody's movement and they're like, some data we track from cell phones you're like man we give them everything everything yeah like without even thinking twice about it yeah you gotta you gotta love the patriot act baby that in terms of use documents man yeah i don't know how i even got on that though um i'm sure there was a logical progression that as we go back and listen to this again we will realize and it made complete and utter Sense. Oh, you're recording this? Yeah, this has all been recording, baby. <laughs> oh, we were just talking. <laughs> well, we have been. We have been. And actually, this has been one of the longer episodes. I've loved it. It's flown by for me. Yeah, me too, man. I I, uh, I like talking to you. We I haven't like known each other that you. long, but yeah. I know. It's, uh, I, I do feel that 
there are some people in my life that I've met and just feel instantly connected to for whatever reason. And I feel like you're one of those people, DJ. Just Yeah, you too. We, we had a well, magical moment at Denny's, me, you, Madge, Mark Sipka, and it was one of the, one of the highlights. Was uh, that Denny's? Was, oh, Wasn't no, no, it was, Coral what cafe? cafe was it? Yeah, Coral Cafe. That was yeah. it. That but was it. What you just said, I had the same thing before we started this podcast. I was like, um, we had that nice night at Denny's, and then I had to be like, no, it wasn't Denny's. It was Coral Cafe. See, it's out but, there but in the that ether, night, man. That night was magical because I think that was the first night meeting you. And yeah. Mark. Yeah. And then me and you and, and Madge, my wife, and Mark Sipka uh, went out, and I told you guys after. It was such a beautiful thing because Madge will come out from time to time. Mm-hmm. Uh, no, most nights I'm not doing comedy on my own, but from time to time, especially if it's an out of town gig, whatever. But usually yeah. she doesn't really take it too personally, but comedians start talking and she can be left out a little bit and, sure. and I'll make an effort to bring her back in. But uh, that didn't happen at all with you guys. You guys were so interested. You and Mark were both interested in Madge and really. Yeah, it was well, like she's a, fascinating. She, she really appreciated it too. Oh, good. Good. Yeah, it was funny because at the show that you were performing in, I sat right in front of her. And after the show, I, she made some comment she was talking to that she knew you somehow. And so I turned around. I was like, oh, do you, you know, DJ, I know Mike. That's why I was here. How do they know each other? And she's like, oh, well, you know, my husband and he go back. And I was like, wait, you're married to DJ? So it was so fun. It was so fun. She usually just says she knows me and gets a read on how the person <laughs> reacts. <laughs> And then before being like, do you like him? Is it okay? Okay. It's just an acquaintance for me. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) It was so fun. It was so fun. See, and I guess these are moments for me and for religion in general, for me, it's a choice. I think a lot of people could look at experiences and people they meet and just say, Hey, that's coincidence. Or, and that, you know, it's great that we have these kind of serendipitous moments. And for me, I look at them more, spiritually guided i i choose to think you know we run into people for reasons and 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 that was such a fun night that it was like how i can't look at that and not be grateful to uh a supreme creator who has his eye out for me you know i am also grateful to the universe for that so maybe it's a similar sentiment but i feel gratitude for something maybe right. we're we're experiencing a similar sentiment and i just have a different name but i i yeah. agree moments like that i really feel like a, a gratitude for yeah well and i have the same feeling about our conversation here tonight dj thank you so much for joining me man yeah man i appreciate it and uh it was good to talk like i said those are the types of conversations that i think i don't have that often and i think they're important to have so I think this is a really cool idea for a podcast too. Yeah. Thank you so much. Well, I'd love to have you back on maybe once we're all out of this, see where your personal development ended. See if you've made it back to <laughs> yeah. God, how much of a better person you are. Uh, <laughs> we'll keep tabs on, on DJ Demers. Uh, yeah. Anything yeah, you want to plug? Next, the, oh, sorry. No, uh, go ahead. Uh, no, it's fine. Let me think if there's anything I have to plug here. So. <laughs> uh <laughs> Any Zoom shows? Oh, I know. Yeah. I need to plug this deep cavity in my soul with the presence of God. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You send me your address. I'll have two friends over there immediately. 
and I will uh, open a bottle of whiskey and I will have them turn on their backs on that religion so quick. And you know what? They will let you drink for the first couple meetings. I don't think they will drink. And if they do, I want their names, DJ. I want you to report I'll come that. Out and, I'll come out in my robe drinking a coffee like, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Can't start my day without the coffee. And they'll, they'll, I guarantee you they'll get stars in their eyes and they're just going to be like, great. If you're willing to talk with us, we can help you get off that devil's drink. Can I tell you one thing before you let me go? No. Yeah, of course you can. I once was really hungover in university. I was like third year. In, uh -huh. in American terms, I was in college and I was a junior. <laughs> and Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, and I was super hungover and kind of depressed because I had depleted all my happiness juices from drinking too much the night before, sure. you know? Sure. And there's ringing or knocking at the door. And I was like laying on the couch watching football on a Sunday or something. I was like, holy crap. Went to the door, opened it, and it was a Jehovah's Witness. Um, like a 60-year-old 60 60 yeah. man or something, like an older guy. Yeah. And he talked to me for like five minutes. And, you know, I didn't convert to his religion or anything, but it brightened up my day. <laughs> like we talked. I was like, well, we have a great day. And he left. Yeah, yeah. I went back and I sat and I, I felt better. Than, I was still hungover, but mentally well, I was in a better place. Sure. And uh, so the idea of people being missionaries uh, or trying to spread the good news in a way that he did it where he wasn't, you know, cramming it down my throat. Right. I dig it. I dig it. You can really connect with people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, you know, I think it's all about just having those connections in a, a real discussion with somebody, you know, where it's not the missionary discussions are a little bit tough because you are supposed to go in there with a very clear motive on what you're teaching. But, you know, I think the, the more important thing is just to connect right in someone's day like this 60 year old Jehovah's Witness did. Yeah. Oh, and my buddy was the lead on the Book of Mormon for five years. No kidding. Yeah. Wow, yeah, on Broadway, that's... Sydney, Melbourne, and traveled around America for, on the tour, too. Yeah. But, uh, so I saw the Mormon advertisement in the playbill. Sure. I went to see him four times. Yeah. Yeah, that's and, great. You know, I, know, I know, I think Rogan's got a joke about that, but that is pretty cool that the Mormon church did that. You know how to take a joke. We do. We try. We try to take it in stride, you know? Yeah. You're Love good it. people. <laughs> Thank you. So are you, DJ. So are you. Think Thanks, how much buddy. better you'd be with God. No. <laughs> <laughs> Let me do a bit more reading on this, okay? You've converted we'll, me a little bit. We'll, we'll touch base again. We'll touch base again. Man, Sounds I've missed good, talking buddy. to you, DJ. This was so great. Thank you so much. Thank you, man. And uh, hope you and your family do well. And hopefully we're out of this soon and we get to hang out. Yeah, amen. Amen, man. All right, well, tell Madge hi for us. Will do. Okay. See you, brother. Good Bye. talking to you. Right, see ya.